What a good God we serve. Amen? All right. We have uh, on our Sunday messages, uh, as of late, anyway, been talking about experiencing the life of God, the abundant life. Paul called it the life of God. Jesus called it the abundant life. Amen? A life that you're called to. Amen? That was weak. A life that you're called to. Amen. Amen. And so... Uh, we kind of in the middle of that, talking about that, and we got to talking about resisting the enemy, is what we've been on the last, probably last three weeks. So uh, let's put our key verse up there and um, just do a little bit of review and then dive into what we have for you today. This is Jesus talking in John 10. A lot said in this chapter, actually. It's a pretty powerful chapter. Um, you know, he talks about, uh, you know, his, his sheep. You know, know his voice, they hear his voice, and they follow his voice. Amen. And, uh, but the enemy's always trying to mess with you. Isn't that the truth? You know, he's trying to, you know, he says too, you know, that the voice of a stranger we will not follow. And the word stranger just means another, the voice of another. And, uh, you know, the enemy's all the time is trying to, you know, trying to speak things, do things, and the whole time just trying to mess with you and take. And, uh, you know, it says here, the thief does not come except to steal to kill and to destroy, and I've come, Jesus said, that, you, that they may have life, that's zoe life, amen, zoe, that's the Greek word, have life and that they may have it uh, more abundantly, all right, and uh, so uh, what we've been finding out is Jesus is the giver of life, whereas the enemy comes to take life. Um, let's, uh, let's do uh, another, tra- let's do, what is it, like the, I'm not sure, the message or something, message translation here, uh, a thief is only there to steal and kill and destroy. Uh, I came so they can have real and eternal life, more and better life than they ever dreamed of. Now, eternal life, again, I always, every time I see that, i got to stop for a second and define it. Um, Jesus defined it himself in Scripture what eternal life is. And um, he said in John 17 and 3, he said that eternal life is to know the one true God and the one in whom he sent. He's talking about himself. Amen. So eternal life begins, you begin to experience that thing called eternal life when you make Jesus Christ the Lord of your life. That's where it starts. And the reason that's so necessary to bring up is because, you know, for the most part, the church world, uh, when, you, when they hear the word eternal life, all they think about is someday when they go to heaven. Because it's a word that means perpetual, perpetual life, perpetual Zoe life. Uh, and so they automatically assume that just refers to someday when they get to heaven. And so what happens then, the, the big part of the body of Christ then misses out on that eternal life that they, they can experience right now, that perpetual zoe life. And the word zoe is defined uh, as uh, abundant life or uh, absolute life, really is what, uh, how it's defined. Absolute or pure life is how it's defined. And that means that it's absent of some things. It's absent of death. It's absent of the curse. It's absent of, of darkness. And Jesus came and paid a price for all that. Amen. We took some time one week and just kind of defined how Jesus came and, and paid a price. Uh, the death used to have power over you, but it don't no more. Amen. The darkness used to have power over you, but it shouldn't anymore. Uh, the curse used to have power over you, but it shouldn't anymore. Now, we're not denying the existence of the curse of darkness uh, or of death even out there. We understand it's all out there. It's out. You just, just stop for a few minutes and just take a look. All you do is watch the news for five minutes and know that the curse is, uh, is out there. Anybody hear me? But what we do is deny its right to dominate or dictate your life. And that's where Jesus came along. He says, the thief come to do this, but I've come to give you this. And so who do you think's got more, more ability here? You think Jesus or the thief? I think Jesus does, right? So uh, anyway, let's do another translation. The Amplified, let's do that. The thief uh, comes only in order to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life, or pardon me, have and enjoy life, pardon me, and have it more more in abundance to the full till it overflows, praise God. You know, it's amazing. Um, um, Probably about 95% of what we know about the enemy is, is defined in the New Covenant. 
um, you know, uh, there's a little bit that you find out some things about, about our enemy uh, in the Old Covenant, you know, with Genesis, and we have uh, the, a couple of the prophets had, had mentioned some things about uh, how, he, how uh, Lucifer fall, uh, fell and became who he is now. And uh, so we got some understanding there, but, but most, of the, most of God's people had no idea they had an enemy. And so they go on just thinking that everything that happens must be God. Well, Jesus came along and says that's not the case. That's not the case. And so he begins to define and give us understanding and give us some insight about who our enemy is. And so we have a lot uh, in the New Covenant. You know, a lot of, a, um, you know, you think about when Jesus was, was, you know, had flushed out the enemy out in the Mount of, of Temptation, uh, you know, after he was uh, baptized and, and, and God made out of a, 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 a vocal, uh, you know, a, a audible, pardon me, audible voice said, this is my son in whom I'm well pleased. Well, man, it was on then. You know, the enemy knew exactly who, who, his, uh, who he's going to be up against. So Jesus just kind of flushes him out, you know, on the Mount of Temptation and, you know, got in his, got in his weakest supposedly physically through a 40-day fast. And then the enemy came at him uh, with, with both barrels and tried to, uh, you know, get him to uh, fall prey to a temptation. And Jesus would just turn and say, it is written. The enemy come at him again. He said, it is written. He come at him again. He said, it is written. And the word says the enemy had no hold on him. So the word says that the enemy left and, you know, was going to try to wait on a, on a more opportune moment. Well, he never got one until Jesus was ready to lay down his life. Now, the point I'm trying to make is this is that Jesus, the whole time, everything that's, that's recorded for you and me, he's, he's flushing out the enemy so we know who he is. And here he is, point blank, saying, the enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy. I came that you might have life and life more abundant. I came to give you life. I'm, I'm the one who comes to heal. He came to oppress. I'm good. He's bad. Are you still with me? And the whole time it's trying to give you understanding. Now, this is necessary for where we're going today. You have to understand God is always good. And if something's coming and taking and stealing and killing, you have to understand it is not your heavenly father. Bring some clarity. Bring some understanding. Are you still with me? Give me another translation. What do we got? The Passion Translation says it this way. It says, a thief has only one thing in mind. He wants to steal, slaughter, and destroy. But I've come to give you everything in abundance, more than you expect, life in its fullness until you overflow. Oh, hallelujah. Now, we have an enemy. Uh, we took one week, and we talked about he's a deceiver. He's a manipulator. He's the liar. He's the father of all lies. Uh, he's a, an accuser. And if you stop and you look at all the things that the enemy does, it's always something to do mentally. He plays head trips with you. That's why he says, don't be ignorant of his devices, which literally, bottom line, breaks down as head trips, mind games. That's what he does. Why? Because he has no longer has authority over you. But what he does, he tries to manipulate accuse, uh, deceive, twist the truth. Come on, somehow somehow bring deception in some way to get you to fall prey to it because the only authority that the enemy has over you is what you submit to him. That's it. But see, if we don't know, that's why, that's why it's necessary to understand you have an enemy. Because if you don't know that you have an enemy and you don't know what the enemy's capable of, you'll go right along thinking it's God doing it all. You'll sit and point your finger at God. You'll point your finger at your neighbor. You'll point your finger at yourself. And the whole time, your fight's not with you. It's not with your neighbor, and it ain't with God. Not proper English, but you get the point. Amen. But we do have an enemy. One more. Let's do another one. I think I thought I'd give you one more. The New Living says this. A thief's purpose is to steal and kill and do that. I love that. It's his purpose to do that. But he said, my purpose is to give them a rich and satisfying life. Praise God. 
the scripture makes it clear in 1 John that my purpose, it said Jesus' purpose was to, to destroy the works of the devil. That's what he did. He came here to destroy his works, praise God. Are you doing good? Okay, so what we did last few weeks is we began to, uh, you know, take, take a little time. Uh, actually, took a lot more time than I originally thought we were going to. I thought it was going to be all done in one week. Uh, but uh, I felt, you know, as it kind of went on, the Spirit of God says, take your time, go through them a little different, you know, take some time with them. And so we've been talking about his keys of resistance because we're called to resist our enemy. Put, uh, put James 4 and 7 up there. It says, therefore, submit to God, resist the devil, and he'll what? He'll flee. So uh, you got to understand, uh, it's your part. Your part is to submit to God, and it's your part to resist the enemy. That's your job. Still with me? And submitting to God is the first and foremost. That's key. In an area of resistance, the best way to resist your enemy is first and foremost, connect with God, get a leading of God, follow God. It's submit to God. He goes on to talk about drawing near to Him. Amen. And we took a little bit of time, too, about learning how to cast cares. If we're going to resist the enemy right, Amen. We've got to be sober-minded, praise God, and watchful, vigilant. Amen. And the only way to do that is get your head in the game. Because, you know, if we're going to do this thing right, you've got to get your head right. Thank you for all that enthusiasm. But you've got to get your head right. Because if you think God's your problem, it's kind of hard to submit to God and resist your enemy when you're resisting God and submitting to the enemy. We get it all, all kind of, you know, twisted here. And that's why a lot of times uh, the enemy has a heyday with us. It's because we got, him, we got it mixed up. Are you still with me? Listen, I'm telling you, this is a fact. That's true. We talked about another way to resist the enemy was through the blood of the Lamb out of Revelations 12. Through the blood of the Lamb, through the word of our testament, and loving not our lives even unto death was, uh, the, uh, I think it's verse 11, I believe. Romans 12, yep, there it is, 12 and 11. And that's how one of the ways we do it. Well, the blood of the Lamb is just based on what Christ has done. The word of our testimony is talking about what God's doing right now. Amen. And not loving our lives even unto death means we're willing to stay our, stand our ground no matter what's ahead. Now, the bottom line, that's why it works, because we're overcome the enemy based on what Christ has already done based on what he's doing right now and what he will continue to do. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Amen. Which means whatever he did, hallelujah, in the Gospels, he's still doing today. Are you still with me? All right, so that was an area of, of resistance. Uh, the last couple of weeks we've been talking about out of Ephesians 6, and I think I just gave you verse 11 here, put on the whole armor of God, right? Why? So you can stand against the plotting and the scheming and the wiles of the devil, praise God. you got to put on the armor, praise God. And so we took the time last couple of weeks talking about the armor. And, of course, we, uh, we uh, kind of wrapped it up a little bit. Uh, we touched on it, obviously, a couple of weeks prior, but we talked about the sword of the Spirit. Um, you got to use your weapon. Okay, you got to put on the armor. Amen. You got to put on the armor and, and catch some of them blows that are coming your way. Lift up that shield of faith. Remember, we kind of had the whole thing last week going on. But you got to be willing to swing the sword. Now, the way you do that, according to Scripture, is with this mouth. Amen. The same way it worked for Jesus is the same way it works for you and me. Amen. It is written. Amen. And so you, that two-edged sword has got to be, you got to be having that go out your mouth, praise God. you got to be willing to swing the sword. Don't just stand there and take a beating. you got to do some damage to the enemy. And the way you do it, the only way you do it is through this thing called the mouth. Almost logia, same word. Amen. A covenant acknowledgement, a confession. You speak the word. Still with me? Now, your mouth is critical in this resistance thing. So you got to get your mouth working for you, not against you. Some of the biggest problems that we have uh, throughout, uh, throughout the body uh, is, is our own self-destruction. 
Because we give the enemy place through words. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. Amen. So we got to speak the right things. Speak the word. Amen. Use your mouth for right things. Now, with that said, we're going to Psalms 100 today. Psalms 100. Now, best way I can say it, um, kind of a statement I've used, you know, off and on throughout the years. Um, you know, there are clear patterns of success and clear patterns of defeat. I mean, they're just things that just flat work. And then there are things that just flat never work. Are you with me? And throughout the Word, we see principles that are just, just flat work every time. If you just do this, it works. If you do this, it never works. And one of those is how you use your mouth. If this mouth is going to be talking nothing but negativity, it's going to talk about nothing but the problems, if it's going to grumble, gripe, and complain, I guarantee you it will never work. It never works. Never. Did I make myself clear? It never works. But if you're going to be over here talking the word, amen, you're over here speaking praises, speaking thanksgiving, guess what? It always works. We can go home now. All right. Psalms 100. Are you there? Let me get there. All right. Psalms 100. Whoo, glory. Well, I'm glad you came to church today. Are you? All right. Psalms 100. And uh, verse 1 says, make a joyful shout. Amen. Literally means to split the ears. I mean, it's, it's so, we're talking about loud enough, man. It's like, whoo, that was loud. Make a joyful shout. Everybody say joyful. joyful. Not, a, you know, not a grumbly, complaining kind of thing. Make, make a joyful shout to the Lord, all you lands or all you peoples. Serve the Lord with glad, gladness. Come before his presence with whining. <laughs> Just thought I'd see if you're listening. Amen. With what? With singing. That literally, it means a triumphant, a triumphant praise is what it's bringing out here. So with singing, know that the Lord, He is God. Everybody say, know this. This is real key today. Know that the Lord, He is God. It is He who has made us. In other words, He knows what He's doing. He knows what works for you and what won't. He made you a certain way. He designed you a certain way. Amen. So he is God, and he has made us, and now we ourselves. Look at your neighbor and say, praise the Lord. Now, we would have probably put the nose over here and, you know, we'd have had a, a foot on each side and we had a hand on each side or some kind of weird thing. We would have, you know, we would have got it all messed up. Amen. So that's a good thing that we didn't make ourselves, right? It says, we are his people, amen, and the sheep of his pasture, amen. One says, we are his, amen, praise God, hallelujah. So know that the Lord, now this is necessary, that he is God, he knows what he's doing, he knows how, how it's made, he knows how it works, amen. We are his, look at your neighbor and say, it's good to be his. Listen, it's good to be his. You do not belong to the enemy, You do not belong to the enemy. You belong to him. Now listen, you are not your past. You are not your history. You are not your mistake. You are not your addiction. You are his. And if you are his... That makes you a new creation in Christ where old things pass away and behold, all things become new. If you're His, that means you have an abundant life coming to you and the thief has to stop. 
Enter into his gates, verse 4, with thanksgiving. This is the key. And into his courts with praise. He sums it up. Be thankful to him and bless his name. For, here we go, the Lord is good. Now listen, this is all necessary. For the Lord is good. He is good all the time. The Lord is merciful, it says here. His mercy is everlasting, which means all the time. All the time. He's always merciful. He's always good. And it goes on to say, and his truth endures to all generations. In other words, his principles, his truth works all the time. Now, I'm going to give you some answers today if you've got an ear to hear it. Now, you know, so you've got a purpose to hear. Because if you don't hear it, you're just going to walk out of here with the same old thinking that you had before. But you've got to hear this. All right? He's God. He's God. He set it up. He designed it to work a certain way. He designed you to work a certain way. He knows how you function. He knows your ins and outs. He knows your ups and downs. He knows everything that's about your life. He knows it all. Right? You're his, amen, sheep. Amen. Now, I always got a little offended when he called me sheep because I've helped my kids raise sheep, and they're just the stupidest. <laughs> I was saying, please, you could have said something different, you know. But, but yet I understand why he used sheep. You know, sheep just have a tendency to follow. And they don't necessarily always follow the right thing. And you know what? Guilty. We've been guilty of that kind of stuff. And, uh, and so we have, uh, you know, so he says that we're his sheep and sheep of his pasture. In other words, we have to understand that we belong to him. And he is always good. He is always merciful. And his principles always work. We just don't always work them. I mean, because there's people even right now, uh, you're, 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 you got things right up here, you're a little worn with right now. You say, well, you know, one time I prayed I, and it didn't. No, 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 no. I'm going to give you some answers today. Because God is always good. You got to settle that. And if you don't settle that, you're going to be blaming God for things you got no business blaming God for. We have an enemy that's always bad. We have an enemy that always steals, kills, and destroys. We have a good God that always brings life and life more abundant. We have a God that's always merciful. I think one of the greatest examples in Scripture in Luke 17, we see where the prodigal son goes off, and we, we, we see it. Sometimes we as Western minds, we just kind of read it. We think, well, you know, a kid went off and, you know, kind of sowing his oats and all that kind of stuff, and not even realizing that in, 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 in under a Jewish culture, that kid broke every law he could. He crossed every line that a young Jewish man could cross. That was anti-God and anti-their culture. He crossed every line. And yet, when he came to himself, some may say, praise the Lord. Sometimes that's all it is. We're going along, and somehow, praise the Lord, we came to ourselves and went, whew, how stupid I've been. Spirit of stupid jumped on me, and I got to get him off, praise God, Amen. And so he comes back thinking that he's going to have to, you know, just be some, you know, some uh, grunt out in the fields just to serve. But he thought, at least serving my dad is better than anything out here. He gets home. We see dad doing this. Now, dad didn't chase him. Just like God don't chase you when you want to go do something stupid. But isn't it amazing how his mercy is everlasting? You turn, you go, God! He's going, bring her on in. Hog smelling all. Bring it on in. Hey, boy, how you doing? Hey, uh, amen. Let's, let's get the ring, get the signet ring on, get the robe on, get the sandals on, and praise the Lord. Amen. 
Let's have a party. Amen. He was dead, but now he's alive. Praise God. Hallelujah. See, that's all significant because God, that's him. Amen. Jesus said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. We never see anywhere where Jesus was, uh, uh, you know, he, uh, hurting people. We never see where he was bringing sickness on people. He always brought healing. He brought freedom. Now, did he call a few hypocrites on the carpet? Absolutely. But he was always merciful. Even when the, the hypocrite came to him by night, he was right here. Let me help you. Come on. I am telling you, God is always merciful. And guess what? God's truths and principles always work. We just have to work them. So, the key that we're talking about today is this thing called thanksgiving and praise in verse 4. All right? Enter into his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. And he sums it up. Be thankful to him and bless his name. Amen. Give honor. Give praise to him. Be thankful to him. Amen. Well, I don't know what to do. What about this? Be thankful. I don't care what you do. You get your head right. You get your heart right. You start giving God thanks, and you start blessing his name. Well, I don't understand why. Listen, if you get your head right and your heart right, I guarantee it ain't going to be long, and everything else will be right. But the problem is we give our mouth over, and we start talking, you know, a lack of gratitude, unthankful. We don't give praise. We gripe, we grumble, we complain. Every, every place in Scripture where the individuals were unthankful, griping and complaining, it opened the door to the curse. Every time. Because it's a pattern of defeat. Everybody that will honor God, praise God, always gets breakthroughs. It's a pattern of success. Well, Pastor, I just don't. Who gives a rip what you feel right now? <gasps> Where in this book says you're supposed to be moved by how you feel? Well, I just don't feel. Listen, you want to change your feelings? Change your mouth. You'll change your feelings. You're, you're upset because you choose to be upset. You're offended because you choose to be offended. You're griping and complaining because you choose to gripe and complain. That's a choice you made. You say, I don't, I don't have to take any of this. Listen, you want free or not? His principles, his truths always work. We're just not willing to do them. We're not willing to always be thankful. We're not willing to always bless his name, to give praise unto him. Man, you can change your attitude in a heartbeat just by just stopping and just saying, Lord, I just want to thank you. I want to praise you right now. I want to honor you. I want to give you all the glory. I don't know what's happening right now. I don't understand it, but it doesn't matter. All I know is you're good all the time. All those, your mercy is everlasting. All those, your truths will go on to generation after generation. You are good all the time. Somebody said, well, that sounds cool, but well, let me explain it to you then. Verse 4, enter. Let's define it. You know how me and my defining, right? Enter. It means cause to enter, grant entrance. Literally means to cause to come upon or within or out. In other words, it's enter is based on, this word enter is based on you. Whether you're going to enter in what he's talking about here or not is based on you. Are you with me? Enter, right? Where? Into his, you say his, 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 which means there are other gates. But we're trying to get you to come into his gate. And it says plural, gates. Okay? There's all kinds of gates mentioned in Scripture. Okay, we don't have time to go with all these, but there's the gates of righteousness, gates of Jerusalem, the, new, the gates of New Jerusalem, talking about heaven. 
Now, so there's all kinds of great, good gates, but there's also gates of death, Sheol, Hades. In other words, there's gates of, that lead toward heaven, gates that lead toward hell. The word gate in itself means a portal. A portal. Okay? So you enter, amen, through a portal, which is going to put you in front of something. And you just have to decide which door you're going to be knocking on. Which, you know, listen, listen, you make the decision, you know, which doorbell you're ringing. And if you think you're going to go to God and gripe and complain, guess what? You're at the wrong gate. That's not his gate. Because grumbling, complaining, and griping is not allowed. It doesn't come into his, it doesn't come into his presence. I said it doesn't come into his presence. It'll take you to a gate. It'll take you to a portal. You just instantly start grumbling, griping, complaining. Where are you at? I'm at a gate. Ringing a doorbell, knocking on a door. You don't even realize it. You do not want to go behind that door. Why? Well, I, I got a few words to say to God about how I'm upset about some things. You think that's God's gate? That ain't God's gate. God, he, don't, he, don't, he don't listen because God's always good. And there's, there, is, listen, there is no, there is no um, complaining division in heaven. Complaint department. There we go. Better word. There is no complaint department in, in heaven. None. There isn't any. He says, if you want to do that, you go to that other gate. And see where that gets you. Because here's where this begins to answer things. Because we're over here griping and complaining about everything, not even realizing we're giving place to an enemy. And we go on more mad, more upset because it just keeps getting worse instead of, hey, wait a minute. Go to a different gate. Last year, my son and me went to, down to uh, uh, one of the studios down at Burbank. And, um, I think Warner Brothers, I think it's what it is. And uh, they have gates all around this big, massive lot. They're hu it's a huge area and, and you go to one gate and they'll just tell you right you're in the wrong gate or can I just no go down the next gate no can't go in this gate I'm just trying to can't go in this gate sorry well, what gate can I go in well you have to go over there and check in over there and you go over there they say, and they make a decision right then. Mm, we're not going to let you in any gate. <laughs> the only way you're ever going to get in there is you got to go off over here. So you go from over there, over to here, over to here, come all the way over here, and you go, hey, I want to get in there. Well, there's a price. <sighs> I just want to look around. Well, if you're going to do that, you're going to have to come in with one of the tour groups. I don't need no Torah group. Yeah, yeah, you do. Yeah. There's a way in, but only one way in. And then there's a way out. And they'll make sure you go out too. And you think, well, but just, it's no different. You have to, which gate? You have to make up your mind which gate you want to go to. Now, see, it doesn't just stop there because it says, with thanks, one translation says, with the password, thank you. That's the price. How do I, how do I get to the right gate? How about trying, thank you, Lord? Isn't that cool? Anybody can have the keys to the gate. You don't have to be Mr. Spiritual, Mrs. Spiritual. I've been serving God for 37 years. 
And because of that, I should have rights to the keys of the gate. You get no more rights than the next guy. There's only one way in. It's called thank you. That's how you get to the gate or through the gate. It's through thank you. Not griping, not complaining. And if you, you try to trick him, say, thank you, Lord. Now, while I'm here, <sighs> back to another gate. Because it's not welcome. There is, there is absolutely no complaint department in heaven. Come on, right? Haven't you figured it out? I mean, every time I complain, it just gets worse. How does this keep getting worse? I think if I gripe enough, somebody would finally change something. God says, You're, you keep calling on the wrong folks to help. You keep ringing the wrong doorbell. You keep knocking on the wrong door. You think you're griping and complaining is going to get something done in heaven? God is always good. What do you think you're going to change in heaven? Really? Really? You think that there's, there's a lot of bad things going on in heaven? They, they're up there thinking, oh, oh, you're right. I never even knew this was happening. God is always good. God is always merciful. God's truths always work. So he says, Hook up with that, and it works for you. And you may say, well, I've blown it my whole life. He says, that's what the mercy's for. I'm always there. And my truths will work for you just like they work for anybody. But you've got to be willing to work it. And griping and complaining has never worked. They spent 40 years in a wilderness because all they wanted to do is gripe. And they did it in their tents. You know, him and her in the bedchambers. And thinking, I'll tell you what, that Moses, that guy ain't got a clue. And I'll tell you what, Aaron, too, he needs a kick in the family. And I don't know why God brought us out here anyway. And then they walk out saying, oh, hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. That really did a lot. You go back into your bed, and then they wonder, why nothing works? I'm telling you why it don't work. And it doesn't even stop there. It says, then you go into his courts with praise. So you got in the gate, but now I went ahead the courts, amen, which means a courtyard. Literally means a yard, like a, you see like a beautiful yard <clears throat> that's surrounded with like hedges. And it's just, it's just an atmosphere and an environment that when you come in there, it's like literally, well, I don't think I have time to go there, but, but literally it's Eden. Eden manifests. Eden is not a place on earth anymore. It's a place with him. It's a place in his presence. In fact, the word Eden in itself in the Hebrew means an, orp, an open doorway to the resources of heaven. That's what Eden means. That's what it breaks down. If you look at it, of course, it just says the Garden of God. But you look it up in Hebrew and how it, it breaks it down, it's talking about a doorway, literally a doorway into the presence of God, into his resources. You, every time you get around the presence of God, you tap in Eden. Abundant life. Right? Abundant life. How do you, how do you get that? Well, you don't get there by boo-hooing. By complaining, by griping. So it starts with thank you, and then it turns into literally a, 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 a praise, a blessing of his name, an honoring of God, something jubilant. Now, I don't know if you're catching it yet, but you notice both of these things involve the mouth. <laughs> because the mouth can be your best friend or your worst enemy. And what the enemy, that's what, that's what he tries to do. He tries to get you all caught up in something. Yeah, you know that? Yeah. I was just looking at that. I, I just think it stinks. Yeah, and this and that. And you don't even realize you're, you're knocking on the wrong gate. Courtyard refers to an environment or an atmosphere. So your griping and complaining puts you in the wrong gate, 
and put you in the wrong courtyard. Which is nothing but an open door now for the enemy to ransack your life. You want answers? These are answers. Because his truths always work. Always. Some say, well, you know, I tell you, he does this, but he never for me, never. Whoa, whoa, breaks, hold it. Let's change our words a little bit. Well, you just, I, it's what I feel. I'm, I'm going to speak what I feel. Well, that's the problem. You keep talking what you feel, and you're just, you're just unloading death, doom, gloom, darkness, and curse. Somebody says, well, you just mean I'm, I'm just supposed to, oh, praise the Lord, praise the Lord, <laughs> praise the Lord. God, I thank you, I thank you, praise the Lord. Well, I guarantee a little attitude like that could probably be changed. But I will tell you this, it's at least a start. You want to be a smarty pants? Be a smarty pants. But you might be amazed what begins to shift and change just by you changing your words. We want to sit here and blame God for everything that goes on around our lives that's, that's bad when all along you got an enemy that comes to steal. He's killing, he's destroying, and you keep knocking on the wrong door. You keep going into the wrong courtyards. What uh, uh how about um I tell you, let's go through that that, that series there, um, Matt. Put um, Psalms eight, verse two. Out of the mouth of babes and nursing infants you have ordained strength. Now Jesus quoted this same verse, except instead of saying ordained strength, he said perfected praise. Okay, out of the mouth of babes and nursing infants, you have perfected praise, you have ordained strength because of your enemies that you may silence the enemy and the avenger, the accuser. Now, you want to shut your enemy up? Start praising God. Just start praising God. I went three years of a living hell dealing with people issues early on in ministry. Three years. Thinking nobody has a right, nobody should have to put up with that crap. Nobody. Praise God. I know, you got old Kathy a buck. <laughs> you got a dollar. <laughs> and you're thinking, and that's a, pretty soon you're so caught up in it, thinking nobody should have to put up with this. People are just problems going somewhere to happen. Well, that really brings God in on the scene. That sure helps your pastoral, uh, you know. And we wonder why it keeps getting worse. I had a, a, a miserable year, a miserable year, and a miserable us year, three in a row. And you know what broke it? Sitting in a meeting, and a minister was reading out of uh, a Luke 6 about in those days, in those times when all this is happening, all the people things are pressuring in on you, begin to leap unto God and give praise. And all of a sudden, the Spirit of God, when that person, they were reading through it because they were getting somewhere else, and the Spirit of God, there it is. There's your answer. And I'm like, I knew exactly what he was talking about. So, I mean, I remember from there on, I went home, and me and the phone would ring and say, I just want you to know, we don't like you. <laughs> and you want to say, oh, yeah, I don't like you either. <laughs> but how many know that's not being pastoral? <laughs> oh, I'm so sorry. <laughs> right? And it's like, I just prayed this morning that all this would stop. And it wasn't even five minutes and I get a phone call. God, no, no way. No, what do you do? Oh, I, oh, I leap for joy and give praise. And I'm thinking, I don't feel. 
like leaping and praising. So I went out of my office, went down the center. Of course, at that time we were in this A-frame facility, and so I had this real long center aisle. So I'm <laughs> literally, I mean, hallelujah, praise the Lord, hoping nobody walks in while I'm doing this. <laughs> hallelujah, praise the Lord. And pretty soon it's like I started feeling, huh, I'll be doggone. Oh, I'm a little easier next time. <laughs> and, you know, I got up and down, made a few rounds, and I'm, I'm serious, I'm serious as I can be. A few rounds up and down the side, feeling so good, ring. <laughs> serious. No, I'm serious, this happened. Ring. <laughs> Hello. Word of victory. Pastor speaking. Pastor, I'm just letting you know, me and my family are leaving the church. <laughs> Okay, <laughs> we love you. <laughs> We're always here for you. <laughs> right? And the Spirit of God, leap for joy. So, back at it, and I got free, free, and within a week, within a week, somebody says, a week? A week of every time somebody said something or I heard something, I made a decision. I ain't bringing it up. I ain't talking about it. I'm not going to repeat it. I just started giving God praise and began to leap for joy. And I got free. Been free ever since of that mess. Amen. So what I'm talking about is something not only that I see about a scripture, but it's something that worketh. Are you still with me? So anyway... That's how I got free from my mess. I just boogered up my glass. How did I do that? Anyway, all right. Um, brother put Psalms 18. says this, I will call upon the Lord who is worthy to be praised. So shall I be saved from my enemies. You know, praise got to be in the picture. Put uh, Isaiah, uh, is it 51? Is that what it is? Isaiah, what verse is that? 51.3. Now get this, for the Lord will comfort Zion. Now Zion is a, a type or a shadow of the church, okay? Uh, he will comfort all her waste places, okay? And that word uh, referring to desolate places. And her is talking about Zion again, still talking about the church. He will make her, Zion's wilderness, okay, which means an, a barren land, like Eden. And her desert, like the garden of the Lord. But get this, joy and gladness, and the word gladness is a word for gratitude. Through joy and gratitude, he says joy and gl gratitude will be found in it, or gladness will be found in it, thanksgiving and the voice of medley, and it just refers to, again, that triumphant praise. That's what you're going to find it. How do you change the waste places and the wilderness? How do you change it to a thing like Eden or the garden of the Lord? How do you do that? You got to get thankful. You got to get some praise going on. You can't get caught up talking about all the stuff and all the issues and the problems. Listen, again, please hear this, okay? Your pastor is not ignorant to what's going on out there. Say, well, you just live in a bubble. You don't have a clue, man. Let's keep, we have to work, you know. You just sit around in the church with this, this, this aura around you and this little halo going around you, and you just don't even have a clue. You're floating around up there on the stage, and you don't even have a clue what all we have to deal with. I probably have more of a clue about it than you do. I know exactly what you're going through and what you're dealing with, but I also know how to get free from it. And not let it take you. Remember, we're talking about a, we're talking about a life, an abundant life, the life of God that you're called to. Eternal life. You can perpetual Zoe life manifesting around you. How do you get to that place? Well, I'll tell you, one of the big keys is a thing called thanks and praise. That's got to be there. Because you're not going to get it by griping, complaining, and murmuring. 
Sorry, Rick, you're always up front. And I always seem to kind of get, <laughs> you're thinking, man, he just nails me all the time. No. I just, it, it is how this works, you know. Um, uh, Hebrews 13, put that up on the board, if you will, brother. Let's see if I got, um, says this. It says, therefore, uh, by him, let us continually offer the sacrifice, continually offer the, what? Sacrifice of praise to God. I mean, sometimes it literally is a sacrifice. I mean, it is. I, I'm, we're not, we know you're dealing with family issue. You got a kid thing going on or a financial thing going on, maybe a health issue going on. And it's, it's, it's going to take, it's going to take a step of faith for you to step out of your comfort zone, begin to praise God. I need to find that is the fruit of, oh, oh, that's right, our mouth has to be, I have a praise in my heart. It doesn't say if you got a praise in your heart, you got to have a praise in your mouth. And the word says this, though, I mean, just for, for your benefit, that whatever's in your heart in abundance should be coming out your mouth. So if we got something other than praise coming out your mouth, we already know what's in your heart in abundance. And then you want to talk to me about why things don't work for you. Because if you're talking like that in front of me, I know you're talking like that in front of your spouse or in front of your kids. That's a whole nother sermon. And then we wonder why things ain't clicking and working. We wonder where God is. God is always merciful. He's always there. And he's always good. And his truths will endure for every generation, praise God. He is always, 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 always good. So if things ain't working, we might want to start right here. And he said, well, you know, I, it's just hard sometimes. I get it. Sometimes you've got you to retrain your mouth, which means you've got to retrain your head. And, uh, but you have to understand that's the inroad. So you think that you're complaining. God's hearing it. God ain't hearing your complaining. The enemy is just, just, it's like, you know, the word talks about how your praises can be like a, a beautiful aroma unto God. Your grumbling and complaining is like a, beautiful aroma to the enemy. He's like, oh, I love it when you do that. Oh, put a little bit right here, a little bit right here. Oh, just keep on. And we're going. Come on. Well, you know what? We got to be a little bit animated so you get the picture. <laughs> Who are you giving place to? Who are you giving place to? And you think that your grumbling is somehow going to somehow bend the ear of God and somehow change how God's going to, oh, you know what? I'll just do this for you because you're just so special. God, don't, have, don't even hear it. Don't give place to it. Now, remember... Okay, the children of Israel wandered 40 years in a wilderness, not because, you know, God made them. No, they made a choice. And God said, based on the 40 days that the, that the spies went into the land, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put it one year per day for your grumbling. I don't want to do that. Now we got a new covenant. Thank you for the blood of the Lamb. He's always merciful. I mean, I would, I mean, how many, how about this? Okay, David dancing in the streets. God's so into it, man, he's down to his underwear. The Ark of the Covenant's coming through. Gets done after they have a party and hands out, breaking bread with the community and he goes up to see his wife and, hey, honey. 
You disgust me. Huh? Oh, let's go out and dance. I mean, <laughs> you embarrass me. You're so undignified. He's thinking, woman, what's your problem? You should have been out in the street with me, right next to me. You could have kept your clothes on, though. But <laughs> you could have been out there praising with me. Maybe our coven's coming through town. But he says, listen, honey, you, you ain't seen nothing yet. If you think that's undignified, you ain't seen nothing yet. Now, what happened? David goes on to be fruitful. His wife, barren. And God said, because of that. So I'm trying to think, well, you know, let's put two and two together. Let's add this up. You know what? I think it pays to be a praiser. I think it pays to be thankful. Regardless of how I feel at the moment, I'm going to be thankful. I'm going to praise God anyway. And you know, I'll be doggone. It worketh. It's worthy of doing, of being, of honoring. Amen. Can I hear a big amen in this house? Did anybody get something today? Give the Lord a praise. Come on. Hallelujah. Why don't you all stand up? Praise the Lord. You know, I took the time. I don't have time to do it all here, of course, obviously. But multiple verses deal with the presence, how you get to the presence, how you avoid it. Talks about the wilderness and the promised land. Talks about the curse and the blessing, even under the curse and the blessing says that because they would not serve God with gratitude, that curse continued to flow in their lives. Barrenness and fruitfulness, as I mentioned. How about this? New Covenant talks about the difference between the peace of God and anxiety or stress or worry. The difference, what makes the difference? Whether you're going to be thankful and give God praise. Romans 1, for those that just read the beginning of this week, amen. What changed, literally says those that even knew God, but because they chose to be unthankful and to murmur and gripe, the word says they became foolish, futile in their thoughts, said even though they thought they were being wise, they become futile. They become foolish. And they did not end up good. And as it goes on, that's in Romans 1, by the way, and as it goes on, it got worse and worse for them. And they were people who knew God. So I'm just trying to give you a little bit of a heads up. It just pays to always be thankful and to always give God praise. Bless His name. It just never pays to do the opposite. Never does. So it's just settle it. God's always good. God's always good always merciful, and His truths always endure. Always. 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 And He's my God, and I'm His sheep. Amen. My God's got my back. Amen. And so if I just do what He say to do, it works. Amen. Father, we give praise and glory today. Thank you for these principles, for these truths today. Thankful for a people of God who are thankful a people of God who praise you, will honor you, who will bless your name. Father, I give thanks and honor today. Amen. Forgive us for the times that we have gave place to this grumbling or griping or whatever. Forgive us. We know that you're faithful and just to forgive us, so we receive it. We thank you for it. But Lord, we choose to be thankful and to give praise unto you all the days of our life. And for that, we give you honor in the name of Jesus. Thank you for joining us for this message. 
We'd like to take this opportunity to encourage those listening from anywhere in Central Oregon to join us Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. and Wednesday evenings at 7 p.m. for our regular services. We understand that many do not have a home church, and we can't emphasize enough the importance of connecting with a church family. We'd be honored to meet you and spend time with you praising God.